Thank you for listening to The Leader. We're here every day at 4pm with news, analysis and commentary from the Evening Standards newsroom and beyond. If you're a new listener, hit the subscribe button on your podcast provider to make sure you don't miss an episode. Now, from the Evening Standard in London, this is The Leader. Hi, I'm David Marsland. What's going on with the exam results? Be under no illusions about this. This is a kind of ranking system. Usually that's kind of done by sitting exam, but teachers are less experienced at doing that and often less willing to do it. Columnist Anne McElvoy, a parent herself, on the stress caused by confusion over how students' marks will be judged. And Hey guys, you know what? America does not want to witness a food fight. They want to know how we're going to put food on their table. Can Kamala Harris help Joe Biden beat Donald Trump? We asked Democrats Abroad UK Chair Inga Kemtrop. Taken from the Evening Standard's editorial column, this is The Leader. For the whole thing, pick up the newspaper or head to standard.co.uk slash comment. In a moment, more confusion over the exam results. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Scotland's already been through this. Now it's England's turn. After classes were cancelled because of the pandemic, how can the exam results be fair? An algorithm that would keep results in line with previous years has been ditched after uproar north of the border that a similar scheme discriminated against the disadvantaged. Now it's been replaced with the so-called triple lock, but our editorial column says that's just confused everyone. Essay crises rarely produce the best work. The government's last-minute reversal on how it will grade A-levels is a prime example. The government has gone into screeching reverse and hit on an excruciatingly complicated system. If students don't like their standardised grades, they can appeal to go with their mock exam results. And if they don't like those, they can take the exams in the autumn. But that will surely cause more problems than it solves. The trouble is that poorer students could still be hit by the algorithm, but in order to use mock results instead, they will be tasked with persuading their schools to appeal on their behalf. This is no trivial matter. These results will affect many young futures. Government grade? Must try harder. 
the Evening Standard columnist and senior editor at The Economist, Anne McElvoy, is with me now. And Anne, you're the parent of a 15-year-old waiting for the results. This must all be adding to the stress of what was already a uniquely stressful time. Well, I've seen two children into university through the donkey derby, as I described it in the column of the GCSE and A-level system. Um, of course, it's a bit different, I think, when there is actual uncertainty about whether children can sit exams, if they're not sitting them, how are they going to be graded, and what will count as a guide other than a teacher ranking of how they've done, because we be under no illusions about this. This is a kind of ranking system. Usually that's kind of done by sitting exam, which is basically a big fat ranking system dressed up with some grades. But teachers are less experienced at doing that and often less willing to do it. They don't really see that it's their job as opposed to imparting the information and making sure that the children are test ready. So I think that's why everybody is a bit more freaked out about this than we might otherwise be by just a, a disruption to the system. And we've seen Scotland go through all of this already so across the country there are just tens of thousands of pupils involved in this so I'm wondering what happens next and what about the universities are gonna have to sort out all of this mess and decide who gets a place that is absolutely right what will happen for the universities is they will be asked to be flexible which you, you could say is a polite way of putting it because they often really won't know pending appeals given that there seems to be some doubt about whether any system that anyone's come up with can actually deliver if you like an avatar to the likely a-level result there are always exceptions there are always ways in which you might judge it differently it's an imperfect system you need to do something the universities don't really know the where to be flexible and where not to be flexible that said this is uncharted territory as uh, so much is around the COVID-19 era the universities will I think look very carefully and the good thing about UCAS and the way that it's done is there's a lot of information from previous performance so they should be able to be guided by that but they need to focus on the individual student to be pupil wannabe student rather than the reputation and standing of the school because if you do that you end up with something that might be kind of fair overall but for the individual it can be very unfair and what about next year and at the moment we know the government wants to get the schools open in september but we don't really know how they're going to do it we don't know that now as i say as i've got um, a pupil upstairs doing as we speak advanced netflix studies uh, my desire really would be me to get her back as as soon as possible i do believe that the gains that there are in having children regular school even if it is very much obviously socially distanced or phased returns or some pupils going in different days it's vital to their focus to their mental health and also a lot of our, our reporting has really showed us that once you start to withdraw from it without having an oven ready system to back it up uh, as good as some uh, online courses are they need to get back to school the question is the practicalities and on that i, I do think that uh, gavin williamson the education secretary he expresses a wish that many of us hold but frankly his job is to do more than come up with a wish he needs to come up with practical guidance and he needs to say look we're taking something of a risk on this because it is but it is a calculated risk it's a trade-off and if we don't do it this next generation will bear the brunt of, of COVID-19 more than they ever should next to me this is going to be the winning ticket of 2020 people are going to look at the kind of energy between them and they clearly respect each other and there's clearly a, a good relationship Inga Kemtrop or why Kamala Harris is Joe Biden's pick for vice president
Kamala Harris wanted to be President of the United States, but the Democrats picked Joe Biden as their candidate instead. Now that man could get her to the White House after all. He's picked the former prosecutor to be his running mate in an election this November, where recent polls have shown a tightening of the gap between frontrunner Mr Biden and incumbent Donald Trump. Will Miss Harris make the difference? Well, I'm joined by the chair of Democrats Abroad UK, Inga Kemtrub. And Inga, in the UK, Miss Harris isn't a very well-known name, so let's start with the basics. And apparently a lot of people have been pronouncing her first name wrong for a really long time. Well, she um, is aware of this herself, and uh, she has got a little thing she does. She says, it's like the punctuation. It's comma, la, or comma, la, I guess it would be. So Kamala, not Kamala, as a lot of people are tempted to do. Thinking, I think there's, there's a man's name, Kamal, which might account for the confusion, but it's Kamala. Yeah, so she had uh, an Indian American uh, mother and a, a Jamaican father. So she has both heritages. And so she ends up as Kamala. <laughs> That's interesting you brought up her American Indian mother there, because a lot's been made about her being the first black woman to run for vice president in the United States. But this is big for a lot of people in the Asian community as well, isn't it? That's right. I mean, um, I think that the Asian American community is a little undervalued a lot of times in election. And it's a shame because they are a real force to uh, reckon with in uh, Silicon Valley where uh, she's, she's nearby that, where she, she lives in the Bay Area. Uh, there are a lot of Indian Americans, it's certainly an active community, getting more active politically all the time, and they are starting to swing towards uh, Democrats. So I think that's something that's going to be a factor um, in this race, and I think she will speak to that sort of uh, her experience in both worlds. She was raised by, largely by her mother, um, as you as you may have read, if you've heard about her biography as well. And, um, you know, she obviously, her mother had very high standards for her and about what she was gonna do in her life because she's had quite, quite an impressive career. And I'm, I'm pretty excited about her being in the vice presidential seat. Yeah, she's clearly on the ticket because the Biden team believe that she can pull in votes, maybe drag in some of those undecideds, but, what I'm interested in is she ran to be president and she wasn't good enough for the Democrats for that job. Why is she good enough to be vice president? Well, it's kind of an interesting thing. I mean, a lot of people run for president for a lot of different reasons. Um, she has been on the national stage um, in the Senate and certainly there she made her um, mark. A lot of people saw her in the um, Kavanaugh hearings. But the motivation for running for president might be sort of a first step in the water for a national platform. And I think that was partly what she was thinking. But, you know, honestly, she just came across so well in the debates and in a personal thing. So I am hopeful that she will be just an excellent um, on the campaign trail, the uh, probably the Zoom campaign trail <laughs> at the current time. But to, to, to have both of them there is, is, is really kind of exciting. And she always kind of has this smart quality, this quality about her that she's got it all together. And, and I think that a lot of Americans are pretty keen to have a contrast from the current incumbents in the White House right now. She was fierce during those debates. She took no prisoners and she did knock a lump or two out of Joe Biden himself. There was a key moment when they were talking about busing and this was efforts to integrate schools in the United States and she said she was one of those kids who got bussed to schools and that became a moment and it hurt Biden 
at least for a little bit. Can these two, after all that, now work together? I think so. And I think the other thing I, I like about Kamala, and actually I like about Joe Biden for that reason as well, is they evolve. They are not static. They see what happens in the world. They learn from each other. So that comment may have hurt, but it also may have made him think. And what I like about Joe Biden is he listens. What I like about Kamala Harris is I think she also uh, listens and change her position. The other thing to notice, when she ended her campaign, she immediately went and supported Joe Biden. There was absolutely no question, no ambiguity. She was ready with the support right then. Something else that came up in those debates, though, was Kamala Harris's own record as a prosecutor in California and how she did things like jail people for cannabis use. Now, those sorts of issues are going to come up again and again as we head towards the vote in November. Will there be people who think we don't want someone like her who's that hard on crimes like that being vice president? Yeah, I mean, I think that one of the persons who made the, the criticism was Tulsi Gabbard, who was presidential um, candidate. She made some of those comments. And uh, we have to remember that uh, Kamala Harris was a prosecutor, and that was part of her job upholding the law of the land. And at that time, for example, marijuana was illegal in California. Again, that's evolved. Um, we saw her prosecutor skills in action during the Kavanaugh hearings. So I'm kind of glad to have someone on my line who is a straight shooter who follows that. And we've also seen her position evolve. But kind of more importantly than that, I find that she, as she said in that kickoff speech during the primary, she's, she's committed to treating people with decency. And I find that so bracing, <laughs> as opposed to all the personal attacking and the late night tweets and all the rubbish we get from the uh, current incumbent. Can that prosecutor background help her in something like the vice president debates when she's going to be coming up against Mike Pence, who is a very seasoned politician? He's a good talker. Well, if you want my honest opinion, she's going to wipe the floor with him. <laughs> But, you know, when you think about her, I mean, I mentioned her, her background as a prosecutor, but you also have to remember she has been in the Senate. She's been on some key committees like the um, Intelligence Committee. So she's got that aspect. She also ran as Attorney General a huge government department. So she's got the executive experience as well. So it's not just the courtroom experience we're seeing, but also, you know, executive and other sides. And having been in the senator's role for a while, she's also seen what's happened on the federal level and how to be most effective there and she's pretty she's pretty fierce but can kamala harris bring people in who may be thinking about voting for donald trump i think she can um one thing i'm going to mention is that i know a couple of people who were perhaps a little less enthusiastic about the um, democratic ticket in 2016 and i was actually just looking at some of their feeds on facebook right before i came here and they're going saying, you know, this is it, okay? It may not be the perfect thing we wanted, but man, this is it, this is way more ahead. And I think a lot of people regard her as a pragmatic progressive. And I think that's gonna be a lot for a lot of people. So is this the team, Biden-Harris, that can win 
the White House? I think so. I mean, uh, to me, this is going to be the winning ticket of 2020. People are going to look at the kind of energy between them. And they clearly respect each other. And there's clearly a, a good relationship. And you also know that that vetting process was very long. So they've been communicating with each other a lot. And I think they have a way of working together. Um, they're going to be contrasting in terms of their personal styles. But that's, that's kind of fine. I mean, uh, Biden might have this sort of more calm, uh, measured approach. She is um, a little more fiery in the way she expressed herself, but I think they're going to be great for each other. And I can't wait to see what they're going to do on the campaign trail. And that's The Leader. You can keep up with all the latest developments with the Evening Standard's live blog, which you'll find at standard.co.uk. And we also have morning briefings available at 7am through your smart speaker. Just ask for the news from The Evening Standard. This podcast is back tomorrow at 4pm. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.